Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're that HR analytics dashboard that's helping all of you HR and people leaders out there get rid of the manual, tedious, and time-consuming process you call HR reporting. That's right. We know a lot of you are using a lot of different HR systems, trying to pull spreadsheets from all of these different HR platforms that you have to get a data-driven view of your workforce, but you're always scratching your head thinking there has to be a better way. Well, look no further. That's why we created Employee Cycle, your very own HR analytics dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems out there. We can connect to your HRIS, ATS, engagement, performance, LMS, rewards and recognition system. Too many types of systems for me to say without running out of breath. Simply connect all your systems to the dashboard, put all your data in one place so you and your team can view, share, track, and analyze all your people data from one view. Please go to EmployeeCycle.com, check us out. We'll love to give you a demo and explore how we can automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have an awesome guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Vanessa Fike. She's the CEO and founder at Fike & Co. And today we're going to discuss why your compensation plan needs to be more strategic in a tight labor market. Vanessa, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Bruce, for having me. I'm excited for our conversation today. Awesome. So, Vanessa, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Oh, gosh. Okay. So, it's a long story. I'll try to compress it a little bit. Um, so, I'm a former journalist. So, I was a newspaper reporter, went to school for journalism at Penn State, um, Nittany Lion, and went to work at a, a family-owned newspaper in North Carolina right out of college. And that was during the time where journalism and a lot of newspapers were being purchased by Knight Ritter and a lot of these large companies. And it was also the time when, you know, for journalism, companies and, and newspapers were really trying to figure out what do we put online? You know, do we put the whole thing online? Do we put just a snippet? What do we do? And it was an interesting time for for journalists to where I, I looked at, you know, what I was doing and I well, I had passion for it. And while it was a calling I looked around and thought, you know, I really don't love working 78 hours a week for like $20,000 and really just getting no rest. Um, and I don't know where this industry is going to go. And so I shifted to start to, you know, open my parameters of what did I want to do as a career. And um, I had a friend about a, I was going to say about a year later after I decided I was going to leave the industry of journalism. And she had reached out to me and said, you know, have you heard of The Motley Fool? And I said, I've never heard of The Motley Fool. I, I looked it up and she said, we have this role open. I think you'd be great for. And long story short, I came into The Motley Fool and I started working on HR projects that they had on the back burner for years and years and started to figure out that I liked those. I really liked working with people. I really liked helping them figure out what needed to be done. And journalism and HR have very similar skill sets. So you're listening to people, you're gauging their authenticity, you're trying to read body language, you're trying to help them out, right? You're trying to tell a story, find the truth, 
make sure you just, you know, connectedness of people too, just with journalism and, and HR and, and people operations. And so, um, as I dove more into that, I started to do recruiting and really dove into all the, the different parameters of people operations in a, in a tech startup and a knowledge based organization that was growing. And so that is really kind of how I fell into, into HR and people operations. Um, with, you know, no idea that I was going to end up there, but that was more than, more than 10 years ago at this point. Awesome. And thank you for that background. And we're so happy to have you in the HR community. So Anessa, today we're talking about compensation plans and needing to be more strategic in a tight labor market. To make sure that we're on the same page, I first want to ask you about what is a compensation plan? Sure. And then we can go into why it needs to be more strategic, specifically during these times. Sure. So a compensation plan to me is really how a company thinks about how they're compensating their employees for the value that those employees are providing. So companies think about this in a lot of different ways. And the best way that I've kind of seen it be done is is thinking about employees and the value that their skill set brings to the organization. So essentially what, you know, what does that skill set look like in market, but also what does it look like for your organization? So it's how companies are really evaluating and valuing those skill sets needed to push their mission forward. So you said one key thing for me, which is the value of the employee coming to your company. How do you even come up with that? And what's the best way to think about what is the value that an employee brings? Yeah. So there's a a lot of different ways. Some companies come at it in a tiered approach and they really use market data to to kind of pull that in and and showcase a tiered approach. And what I mean by that is they look at it and say, all right, here's the mid-level of market, right? So you take market ranges, what's out there in the market, what are other people getting paid? And it's it's gathering all that data for you. And you take that mid-range in the market and then you create tiers around it. And so a lot of companies work with that. Other companies take, you know, straight market data. They really say, all right, 15th percentile, 25th percentile, 75th percentile of market. We're going to stay in this range and this is what we're going to pay. And then other companies, um, it really depends on, you know, which, what type of company, what type of work, but you may see other companies just do sort of straight rates of pay, right? So for this, for anyone who's doing this type of work, it's, it's, this for the, is the same for everyone, right? Um, and it could be like this, our base pay, say it's 45K or 50K, this is what everyone starts at. And then once you're here for two years, you can go up. So it really depends on the type of company, but a lot of companies really go towards that market. Now on the, the market side, right, there are a lot of compensation tools, a lot of data tools to use for this. The problem with compensation data though, is that most sources are typically five to nine years old. And so that relevancy of that data is really old, you know, comparative to, for instance, this talent market. And so what I always tell people is try to find the most relevant data to your organization and also try to find the most recent data to your organization. Because if you tell me what someone made five years ago, that's not going to be super helpful if I'm trying to find talent today in today's market. That's really interesting. And so I hear you referencing today's market a few times. And we all know that today's market is much different than almost any market we've been in. So how are you seeing today's market affecting compensation plans? And what are some of the things that our HR audience should be thinking about as they're trying to figure out how to compensate both existing and new employees in this tight labor market? Yeah. So I think it's if you have sort of the financial means to do so, 
what we're seeing in the talent market and, and, you know, being really big into the talent side as well as the HR side with the work that we do at Fike and Co., we can kind of speak to both sides of this with eyes wide open because we see this all the time. We see it every day. And so the way to kind of look at this is to think about where do I want to be and what do I want to be known for in the market? Some companies, you know, your, your fangs, right? Your Facebooks, your Amazons, your Netflix, your Googles, they have the financial ability to be able to pay top of market. Basically, no matter what the market is, right? So they can pay top of market. They're sort of known not only for being the top tech companies um, that a lot of people strive to work for, and should they or should they not, that's a whole different conversation, but they, they can actually pay top of market, right? So they're kind of known for, known for those salary pieces. That's their competitive advantage outside of also just the employer piece, right? Because everyone knows who they are. You then have to decide if you're not going to do that. If you're not going to compete on salary with Fang, what are you going to compete with? And so if you don't know what your competitive advantage is in the market and you're unsure if compensation should be part of it, what I always tell people is if compensation isn't it, find out what is. Because if you don't have anything else, it almost needs to be compensation. And what I mean by that is, You don't have to all the time pay what an Amazon or a Google is going to pay, but you've got to be within, you know, kind of range of what they're looking to pay. And so, you know, the way to look at compensation for a lot of companies, and and we typically, by the way, work with companies that are under a thousand employees. So a lot of those companies just can't pay top of market. So what I tell companies like that, that we work with is really look at where do you want to be? What is the hardest role or roles to fill in your organization? What has been the toughest talent for you to get? And you may need to go up a little bit on what you typically pay in market to get that correct talent. Now, should you do that across the board? Yes. But understandably, you may need to tear that out. You may need to take a several, you know, kind of phased approach to making sure that's rolled out within the organization. The other piece, though, and the other side of this, which is really trying to make sure you're evaluating, and this is kind of the overview of what we're talking about today, really making sure you're evaluating what your overall compensation strategy is with this talent market, you can't just stop there. And so if you're just saying, okay, I'm going to pay 20% more in this talent market for an engineer than we've paid in the past, or I'm going to pay 40% more, which is happening right now, or I'm going to pay 50% more than what we've paid in the past, then you have to go back and look at the team that has been in place, making sure that their market rates are going to be the same market rates or higher than the market rates that you're bringing in new employees for. Because if you do not, and this is a mistake a lot of companies are making right now, if you don't go back and make sure that you have the equity in that market compensation for both current employees that have been there with you and new employees that are coming on board, you're going to see a lot of resentment build up. And this great resignation that's already playing out, you're going to see more people leave because of that, because they don't feel like they're valued. They don't feel like you're seeing them as a value to the organization. They don't feel like their skill set is valued to the organization. And if they feel like they have loyalty to your company and they've been there and they've done really great work, then they should be compensated accordingly. So Figuring out what you can do, what your budget is, figuring out where you want to be in the compensation range and market, making sure you have a really good compensation market tool as well. And then also looking across the organization and making sure that you're providing that equity is really going to to really, you know, kick you in the right direction when it comes to compensation in this market. That's a lot to take in for sure. 
And this is making compensation very complex Yes. during this time. So let's just say you're a new HR leader working at a small company, call it a tech startup, and you're trying to figure out how you should do this. You've heard that startups are all about grit and giving people equity versus giving them high salaries. How should this person think about that? Are people paying up on salaries and equity and all the other things? But then also, since a lot of people work in remote, you're not dealing with all the in-office perks, or are you? What, what does all that look like right now? Yeah. So what we are seeing is that um, there are a lot of companies that are going up on equity and base and even signing bonuses, right? And what I have seen, and this is, you know, not not each and every candidate is looking for this. Of course, there are trends that we see. So the trends that we are seeing right now is that people, unless they're really sure about your brand, unless they're really sure about your company, unless they're really sure about the vision and the direction that it's going, they're a little less concerned about equity right now than they are around base and signing bonus. And the reason being is because as we all kind of go through this life of more Gen Zers entering the workforce and baby boomers continuing to retire early, we're going to see this sort of influx of more jobs and there are people to fill them. But what that also means is we're going to see people move jobs more frequently. So the days of someone being at a job 5 to 10 years, 15, 25 years are just really gone. That's actually few and far between. So as millennials, as Gen Zers, as sort of the younger workforce comes in to be the majority of the workforce, these, you know, being at a company for four to five years sometimes feels like handcuffs, right? So a lot of companies, you have to wait four years to be fully vested. And there may be people out there that say, I'm not going to be there four years. And so that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to put a lot of, a lot of emphasis on equity at the moment. So there's sort of this flexible approach that a lot of companies that are doing this well have around, well, let me give you a little bit more base if equity isn't as important to you, right? What's important to the candidate? What's important to you? So let me give you a little bit more base. Let me give you a little bit of a signing bonus, and then we'll bring back the equity if that's not as important to you. Now, you can also kind of say, if you have some people on the other end of that, um, that may want more equity and they'll take less base. The thing with the pandemic, though, and what we've seen is that a lot of people have had such instability, right? Around the world, we've had such instability during the pandemic. There's a lot of anxiety. We don't know what's happening. Numbers are going up, down. You know, there's vaccinations, non-vaccinations, you know, all these things rolling around. And it's creating a lot of instability in how we, how we just operate on a day-to-day. And so a lot of people are wanting stability in their next role. Now you're going to work for a startup. We all know there's a lot of risk associated with the startup. So there is at least a little bit level of less stability in a startup. Then you place on that someone, you know, who's offering you less space and more equity. And that also places a little bit more, you know, instable thoughts, a little less stability in place. You're like, okay, okay. It's still, you know, it's still kind of, let me add the startup to you're trying to give me more equity and less space. That doesn't make me feel as stable. So I think what we've also seen during the pandemic is that people, as I mentioned at the beginning, is kind of, they're wanting that base, little less equity. You may find someone in between, but having that flexibility to go between and work within the compensation structure that your company has built and the strategy that it has built to kind of figure out what is the best 
offer for that candidate, right? Not what's the best offer for every candidate out there, but what's the best offer for that candidate? And really kind of figuring out what does that look like? What's important? What's motivating them? Vanessa, I could talk to you all day about this because it's such a broad and fascinating topic. But I want to ask you one last question. Sure. You've covered a lot during this interview. If there was one thing that you would like every HR and people leader who is listening to this interview to walk away from, what would it be? I would say compensation is hard, but it's worth it. If you get compensation right, it is a foundational element that is strong for the rest of your engagement, for the rest of your organization. If you get it wrong, people will talk more about your company getting it wrong than they will about anything else you do. Because on a day-to-day, people need money to live. And if you don't get that right, it's almost like you're on shaky ground with everything else. So it is hard, but it is very much worth it to get it right. Short and sweet. I love it. You heard it first. Compensation is hard, but it's worth it. Anessa, thank you so much for being such an awesome guest on the Employee Cycle Podcast and for providing your wisdom and experience around such an interesting and important topic that I'm sure will help to uplift our HR community. So thank you again for being on the show. Woo, Anessa! Awesome. Thank you so much, Bruce. It was great to be here. Same year. So where can people find you and Fikenco? Sure. So pretty simple. It's Fikenco.com and it's F-I-K-E-A-N-D spelled out um, co.com. So F-I-K-E-A-N-D-C-O.com. And, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I put a lot of things up there that often frustrate me or that I want to see in the world to make better workplace cultures happen. So, um, yeah, follow me on LinkedIn if you'd like, or just check us out at bikingco.com. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all that contact info in the show notes. So for everyone listening out there, if you enjoyed this interview as much as Anessa and I did making it, then please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, if this is your very first time listening to one of our episodes, but now you're hungry for more interviews, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.